Hi again, everybody. This is uh, Big Ideas, Big Moves. I'm Jamie Allison, and this is the destination for high performance. We talk to people from different fields, different niches, and different backgrounds to find out a little bit about some of the big moves they're making in their industry or in their area, um, and some of the success techniques that they have that we can hopefully take away some action items and, and things that we can do that translate them into our lives. So we've talked to everybody from high-level athletes to CEOs um, to people who have just done really cool things in whatever their niche is. So uh, today I know is one of those where we're going to see kind of a combination of a few of those different fields today. Um, really cool guest. And, and just before we go into that, a um, couple of quick things. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that Jazz HR is one of our supporters. And if you are an organization, um, small or mid-size, and are looking to um, start to do some hiring, uh, or are trying to do that in a better way, in a, a way that takes away some of the pressure off your managers, uh, it's a great solution for that. They help you source individuals, it helps you keep track of vacancies, schedule things, um, and just make that process a lot easier so you can focus on finding the right people with the right value sets you want for your organization. The other side is Epitome HR, and they're doing the, uh, the, the part on the other end of the spectrum where it's helping um, individuals who may be out of a job right now um, or are looking at just maybe making a change as things start to open up and, and move forward. Um, some of the things will be, you know, that it is going to be a really competitive market out there right now. So they are looking at, uh, they will look at your LinkedIn profile, they'll look at your resume, they look at things from the other perspective of what is a recruiter looking for, what does the, the system look like on the other side to help you get through that. So definitely worthwhile to bring your um, candidacy up and above some of those others in the field. So take advantage of that. Both of those things you can find through www.bigideabigmoves.com. You'll find both of the links there. Take a look at it um, and hopefully uh, we can help more people out over the next little while. Uh, so here's where we're going to go into the, the meat of today's um, interview and, and really happy to have uh, Hannah Huseman uh, today. She's a mental skills coach uh, with the Philadelphia Phillies in uh, Major League Baseball, looking at improving performance and using it from a, a kind of a, a metrics best practice approach, which we'll hear a little bit about uh, today as well. Um, and uh, she has worked with not just athletes, she's worked with business executives, she's worked with firefighters, first responders, actors. Um, you'll see that the, the techniques that uh, she is able to use and her team is able to use for athletic performance, a lot of those things are very transferable regardless of your background. So that's pretty cool. Um, she has an Instagram series that's uh, with a uh, one, it's kind of a one minute um, tips and tricks, I guess, um, you know, a session um, to, to help you up your mental game. So that's, that's pretty cool too. So we'll, we'll talk a bit about that. But, um, you know, first of all, thanks for taking time out. I know it's probably a busy time for you, Hannah, but um, thanks for joining us today. Hey, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to to talk all things mental performance. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and this is something that you know some people will have a bit of an idea. If you're in baseball, I think that you know it's it's become a little more normal in in that area, that field. Um, some other places not so much. So, um, uh, how did you get there? I mean, what kind of can you give us a bit of an idea of you know what kind of career path to, took you to this point in your career? Yeah, so I've, I, I tell people all the time, I played sports my whole life, and I just knew that that is what really lit my passion and lit the fire under me. Um, yeah. I always knew that that's kind of the industry I wanted to be in. I just didn't know to what capacity. And so I actually played softball in college at the University of Tennessee Chattanooga, which is a small division one school, and didn't have any exposure to sports psychology until my senior year. 
and I took an elective class and it was in sports psychology. And I was like, what is this? Why are we not getting any of this? And like, I want to learn everything I can about this because like we were doing everything right physically, but there was this huge piece missing that we didn't even know about. And you know, the old saying like, you don't know what you don't know. Like we were just chugging along doing everything we could. And then it was like, hold on, there's a huge piece we're missing. And so from that point over, it was like over for me. I like, just was like, this is it. This is what I want to look into. And it was kind of cool. My mom actually has her master's in clinical psychology. So psychology wasn't too far removed from our world. Um, but sports psychology was brand new. And so started doing research and ended up getting my master's degree in sports psychology and motor behavior, which is a really fancy way of saying how the mind and the body work together to produce optimal performance, which is basically what I do. And so I did a few internships um, along the way. And one of, as soon as I graduated, I went and did an internship with the Pittsburgh Pirates. That was kind of my first foot in the door with baseball. And then like you were saying earlier, I actually moved to New York City and worked for a private practice doing the same kind of consulting, but worked with all types of performers. So not just athletes, like you said, firefighters, first responders, actors, actresses, CEOs of companies, um, really, really cool work. And and I, I don't think I realized it until that job, like how much overlay and overlap there is of like, we're all performing, right? If And, and it's kind of become this thing, like as a human being, If you have a job, if you're in a relationship, if you're a parent, right, you are performing to some capacity. So we're all performers in some way, shape or form, which means we can all work on our mental performance. Just like we're told to always work on our physical performance. Sometimes we forget our mental performance. And so that's kind of what I've been so passionate about. And then after um, a year and a half in New York, I landed the job with the Phillies and I'm on my third year with them right now. So doing the same thing, um, just with different groups of people. And now with, you know, some of the most elite level, um, athletes in the world. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, very cool from that end. And now it is, I, I know that's a pretty competitive environment to get into. And I, I know you kind of rushed through about the things you did in order to get there, but I, I think I'm sure there's lots of people that are thinking, okay, how did, uh, um, how was it going into an organization at that level? Um, and it's a very competitive environment. Why do you think, what do you think about you helped you get that role or helped you move forward in that role? I love that question. Um, And fortunately, I have an answer because I asked that because I'm like, I want to know, right? I'm always, I'm always trying and I'm sure we'll get into this self awareness is a huge piece of mental performance. And I think that's why I'm so passionate about it. Because I am very self aware, like when I'm in conversations with people, or if somebody likes where we're going, if somebody doesn't like where we're going, like, usually I'm the first one in the room to be like, ooh, this isn't going well. And I'm just waiting for everybody else to kind of realize it. And so I was always really interested on how to get these jobs and why do certain people get these jobs? And the two things, the two huge pieces of feedback that I got at almost every step of my career or, or, you know, summary after an internship or first year reflection after a job was two things. And it was one, my confidence level in my ability. And especially as a mental skills coach, like if we're preaching confidence and we don't have confidence, like what are we doing? Right? Like you, you can't do it. If I'm getting up here and scared and timid and like, I think this, you know, it's like, you have to be confident in your own knowledge. And I think that's for everyone. And then the second one is enthusiasm. And like, I can't tell you how many times I talk to people and they're like, we just like love your energy and like how passionate you are. And like, you really love this job. And to me, I'm like, well, yeah, I love this job. But that was a decision I made a long time ago was I wasn't going to settle for something that I didn't enjoy. And that didn't bring me true passion every single day into my life. And so 
I think that kind of naturally just exudes like even on a podcast, just talking about mental performance. I'm like, yeah. okay, I'm getting fired up. Like I'm getting hot, like, because yeah. I'm so passionate about this. And so to me, those are the biggest things like have confidence in your own ability, yeah. because if you don't have confidence in your ability, whoever's going to hire you, isn't going to have confidence in your ability. And then to be enthusiastic, like hopefully whatever you choose, you can find ways to love it um, in different parts, whatever it is. But if you're, if you're confident and you're enthusiastic about a job and then throwing, throwing in being open-minded, right. And open to new concepts. Like, yeah. I think that's a pretty solid combination. So absolutely. That's, absolutely. That's well, I, and I, I love the confidence part because um, I think with your role that uh, that is one, I think it would be really interesting to hear how um, I, I spoke to somebody else. I, I don't know if you know who Jana Webb is, but she does. Um, uh, she has a yoga, yoga based uh, routine that um, a lot of professional organization, professional, professional athletes use. And one of her biggest things is getting past the, the mental barrier for athletes that are football players and everything else about the word yoga. Um, and I would wonder how, um, how do you build a trust level with an athlete in something that mental performance, that's a scary thing to start with because it becomes very personal. Um, but also, you know, having somebody else who, uh, you know, it, it's, it's probably a bit of a barrier. And how do you get the trust level with a, a high level athlete for somebody like yourself? Yeah. So you, you nailed it, right? The, the stigma of mental performance, like, right. It used to be sports psychology and, yeah. and there's negative stigma. Like you only go to the sports psychologist if you're like crazy or like, <laughs> Yeah. something's really wrong or, or you're depressed, you know, or something like that. And, and to a certain extent, right. That it's kind of the mental health versus mental performance um, mm -hmm. education piece, which I kind of always like to talk about because mental performance, what I do is different than mental health, right? Yeah. So mental performance is all on field stuff or on platform stuff, right? Whatever your domain is, right. It's confidence, composure, resiliency, motivation, enjoyment, um, all of that thing, all of those things. Whereas mental health is more, depression, anxiety, suicidality, eating disorders, all of that. Um, yeah. And so it is different. Now people like a lot of it overlaps, right? Some um, performance anxiety can turn into clinical anxiety or clinical anxiety can turn into performance anxiety. So sometimes there's a place for mental performance coaches and mental health workers to work together. Yeah. Um, or there's people who have degrees in both to kind of all encompassing one-stop shop um, kind of thing. But it's, it's true. It's always been the negative stigma behind sports psychology. And so a huge part of my job is to build relationships with people. And that's how I build trust is, and I always say like, you know, what comes first, mental performance coaching or the relationship, right? And it's different for all, depending on what people's jobs are. But for my job, like I truly believe that in order to be the best mental performance coach I can be, I have to have those relationships first. They trust you more. They're more vulnerable with you. You can be vulnerable with them. It's this just whole honest environment where you could be authentically you and get the help you need and not be afraid to like actually speak what's going on in your mind. Because if you don't trust me and you're not giving me everything that's going on, it's going to be really hard for me to help you. And it's going to be really hard for you to help yourself if you're not even aware of what those feelings and emotions and those thought processes are. And so it, it's, to, for me, the foundation is the relationship. And then once we built that and we built that trust, like then the sky's the limit. Like then we're going to try some crazy things. We're going to work on fun things. We're going to work on hard things um, and, and really try to figure out what's best for you. But to me, like as a mental performance coach, I don't think I, you can do it without a relationship, but it's going to skyrocket 
the impact you can actually make if you have those relationships. Well, it becomes very individual at that point too, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's not just the theory. It becomes something that they can apply to themselves because it's so connected. For sure. And, and as human beings, like we're all, every answer is different. There's no cookie cutter answer to how to be the most confident athlete, right? Or the most yeah. confident public speaker. Like I wish there was, but there isn't. And I love, I love people are always like, well, don't forget about the human factor. And I'm like, our job is the human factor. Like a hundred, like there's a, most of my job is intangibles. We can't, we can't quantify most of what they're doing. And so it's really like, okay, what works best for you in these situations? And I have to know you first. And, you know, even what worked for you in the past may not work for you right now. Like we're dealing with who you are right now in this very moment. And let's figure out what's the best for you right now, right here. And, and that's a huge challenge. Now, I, I just finished a conversation with an entrepreneur who talked about resiliency being um, one of the biggest factors in the success of an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. which I'm assuming would very, be very translatable to an athlete as well. Um, how, do you, how do you quantify something like that to an individual? How do you build that kind of resiliency and, and mental toughness muscle in, in somebody else? Like, how do, you, how do you help them through that process? Yeah, it's funny because, you know, sometimes people get to the big leagues and they've never failed, right? Yeah. They've always been like the stud athlete, like not yeah. to their fault. Like they've just always kind of naturally had it. And then bam, they come to professional baseball and it's, all, it's the challenge that they've kind of been waiting for their whole life. And so all of a sudden they're faced with this huge failure and, and all of a sudden they're just questioning everything they've ever done. And like, and, and it's like, you have to build that resiliency or you're out. Right. And yeah. so I think a big piece of, of becoming resilient is owning your failures. And like, we talk all the time, like, I'm like, I don't want you to fail, but you're going to fail. Like you are going to fail and that's okay. So instead of having this like fear, right, this overwhelming fear and, and I, I, hatred and I can't, I have to avoid failure at all costs. Like, let's run right at it. Because what if you knew failing was going to end up making you better than you are today? Would you do it? And like you ask somebody down they're like, well, yeah, like I'll, I'm going to do anything to get better. Right. And so, and I'm like, so you have to be willing to fail. And they're like, you know, they're like, I don't want to admit that, <laughs> but yes, like you technically have. And so it's almost just reframing. Like, why are we scared of failure? Right. Our whole life you've been punished. You have to run. If you fail, coach is mad. If you fail, parents are mad. If you fail, whatever you let yourself down. And so it's almost shifting this perspective of failure because yeah. if, if you're doing anything challenging, you're going to fail. So it's like, let's, let's have a contingency plan on what are you going to do if you fail instead of pretending like everything's going to be fine and you're not going to fail because then, then you're going to have two players or two staff members or two whoever, and one's prepared for failure and one's not. And who do you think is going to get through it quicker? And, and, and that's, that's almost a big secret in mental skills is knowing like, who can get over and figure something out and move on the fastest and not ignore it, but like own it, like become it, grow from it and move on. Right. And, and yeah. versus a person who's pretending like I'm not failing or like just downward spiral because they don't know how to handle that failure. Yeah, that's, that's a great way to put it because I think of, um, I think of goaltenders and things like that where there's so much where it has to be able to flick that switch so quickly. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you can see that, that that is probably one of the biggest skills that somebody has to have in, in that role, but in any role, but particularly when there's maybe one individual that can uh, um, have so much pinned to them. That's, that's interesting. Um, yeah. Uh, now, one uh, uh, 
again, to, to kind of go along that track, there are a lot of people probably right now who are, um, who maybe had, whether it's businesses or had thing, had in their mind, everything is going the way I want it to, things are moving really quickly, and, and then suddenly everything shifted not long ago. Um, that kind of change, uh, you know, may be transferred to an athlete as well, that, um, you know, that things may not suddenly go away that they had been planning. Um, how, do you, how do you coach people through those transitions where um, you do have to be able to shift their mindset very quickly? And, and if somebody else is listening and thinking, okay, I'm, I'm suddenly in this uh, um, very different position than I was just three months ago, how do you start to think through kind of moving out of that and moving forward? Yeah, I, I think it's it's challenging, right? And and everybody likes to be comfortable. Everybody likes to like get in routine, right? We're human beings, we're creatures of habits. We like to kind of do everything. And and when our world gets rocked or something gets changed or forced upon us, right? It's like panic. It's like, what do we do? How do we handle this? And so I think it's I think it's a really good question. And I think the first thing that pops into my mind is especially with what's happening now, like we couldn't control most of what's happening now right? Like mm -hmm. we could not control, like uh, still can't control what's going on with the schools and even baseball season. Like we don't know what's going to happen. It could change in the drop of half football season. It's not looking good, right? All of those things. And so it's like, you have to ask yourself on a daily basis, okay, with everything changing and so many things that are outside of my, my control, what is actually inside my control? What can I actually do right now? And it's so funny because I think baseball is a perfect metaphor for life because so many things in baseball, we can't control at all. Like if you actually think about the things that you, you can't even control if you throw a strike or not. Right. Because technically you could throw a strike and the umpire could call ball. Right. So <laughs> technically like you, like you think you can control all of these things, but you really can't. And so it's like, what are you actually able to control? And the same thing goes in the real world. Like so much of the real world is outside of our control right now. And so it's like, okay, instead of giving my solid energy and my solid effort to these things that I can't control, right. And creating more stress and more anxiety. Can I shift my focus, my time, my energy, my effort, my everything into one or two things that I can actually control. Um, and then excel at those things right now and, and do what we can with the things we can control, but make sure the things I have control over I'm crushing, right? I, there's no question that I'm doing everything in my power to set me up for a chance for success, right? And notice I didn't say to set you up for success because success is never guaranteed either. But what is guaranteed is you can do certain things that set you in a position to be closer to getting success or to achieving success than if you hadn't have done those things. And, and if you really wanna break it down, like the thing, there's three things you can always control and two of them are a little cliche, but your attitude and your effort right? You can always control your attitude and you can absolutely always control your effort. At the end of the day, like, did I give my effort today? Only you know the answer to that. Yes, no, maybe. Um, you ask yourself that and, and deal with those repercussions. But then the third one is preparation. You can control your preparation for most things, right? And so it, we call it your ape, attitude, preparation, effort. Um, and, and you can control how you prepare for something, right? Did you prepare for this podcast speaking? Did you prepare for this event? Did you prepare for this presentation? It's just like a test. If you prepare, you go into it and all of a sudden you're confident. And if you didn't prepare, you're going in and you're panicking and you're trying to do everything at the last minute to try to get that A um, or that passing grade. And, and the reality of it is if you would have prepared, um, you would have set yourself up for a greater chance of success. 
where does uh, your mental toughness come from? Like yours personally, because you, you said you didn't have some of this when you were you know, when you were an athlete. I mean, it was, it was not something that was kind of taught. Where, where do you think that comes from for you? I love that question. I don't think I've ever been asked that question. Um, I do think a huge part of it is my upbringing and my, my parents, although I didn't really know at the time kind of what was going on and, and like an actual label, like they were very adamant about like, being resilient and like, you know, you're never quitting like, and, and, and things like that and kind of instilling them at a young age. But I also think it's, it's from like studying all of this stuff and realizing, and, and one of the biggest things I dealt with was I didn't have confidence in, in college. Um, and then I realized something really big was, Oh shoot, I can't find confidence from other people. I have to find confidence within myself. Like uh, if I want to be confident, it's only coming from me. Like every now and then you'll get a, you know, a, you're doing a good job or a high five or something from outside support. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like it comes from you. And and as soon as I realized that, I was like, holy shit, like I have to do this. Uh, yeah. If I want to be mentally tough, it's me. If I want to be confident, it's me. If I'm going to bounce back from getting like rocked on a paper or, or messing up a presentation or failing uh, whatever, like I have to figure it out. Like nobody's yeah. going to do it for me. Um, people can talk me through it and support me but at the end of the day I was like it's me like oh my gosh and I, and I think that's that's kind of the self-awareness piece and like really looking yourself in the mirror and saying okay here are all the things you did really well but here are the things that you need to work on and like that's not an easy conversation to have with yourself um and so I kind of got to point out what some of my weaknesses are and really work hard on those things but like it's funny because I went from like not having confidence at all to being told like wow your confidence is admirable and I'm like I worked really hard for that, you know, and, and, but yeah. realized like that was my decision. I made a decision one day that I can either live my life like this or I can live my life like this and I'm choosing and, and, and it takes every day. Don't get me wrong. Like my confidence gets rocked every now and then, and it is hard to come back from it. But I know, like, I remember the good moments. I remember when I have been successful and try to get back into that mindset, but it's an, it's an all like always ongoing process to work on my mental stuff. Like I am, I tell people all the time, like I'm a mental skills coach and I'm still super negative. Right. Like, cause I, but I'm aware of it and I fight yeah. that. Right. And I battle that. And I think that's, I think that's the kill. That's the key to mental skills and mental performance is not pretending like you're perfect or pretending like you have it all together, but it's being as real as possible because that's when you grow, when you are real and you're like, this is what I'm good at. This is what I'm not. This is what I need to work on. This is what I need to continue growing. Like, and once you can be real with yourself, that's where the magic really happens. And, and sharing that with the people that you're working with probably creates even more trust knowing that, you know, that you're going, you go through the same thing as them, but you're using the same tools that you're providing them as well. Right. hundred percent. And I've always said like, there, you're asking them to be vulnerable and trust you. You kind of have to be vulnerable and get sure. them like that doesn't just come in a one way street. And so I'm a hundred percent. And I, I sometimes talk about past experiences, but most of the time it's like right here, right now. And I'm like, I got a presentation coming up and I'm nervous about it, but that's exciting. That's my game. And, and like, instead of pretending that those feelings aren't there, I'm, I'm noticing them, I'm embracing them and I'm using my perspective to use it as a helpful tool for me instead of something that could potentially hurt me or hurt my performance. Yeah. Yeah. Now you, um, a lot of, uh, I think especially um, young women are looking and thinking, wow, this is, this is a great role model to have. Um, you've went into, I think what's, um, I, I, I think it's fair to say is still a pretty traditional kind of male dominated um, oh, yeah. environment. 
Oh, yeah, you can how, play it. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, and, and there are lots like that, but I, I think uh, sports in general um, is still very much that way. And, and I think a lot of people would see you as that, um, you know, role model to look up to. So uh, how does, how is that for you? I mean, is it, um, is it something that you do see? And uh, is it, uh, and how do, how do you fight that a little bit in, in being able to make sure that um, you get the profile you should? Yeah. So it, it's tricky, right? Because like on one hand, you're like, treat me equal, like treat me like everybody else. But on the other hand, like you stick out like a sore thumb when you're there. Like I'm 5'11", like there's no hiding me when I'm walking around, right? With long blonde hair. And so it's like, it's, it's incredibly challenging. And I think, I think my, what I kind of always come back to is uh, like everybody's goal, right? And, and in baseball and, and in life, probably it's like, you want to, prove that you can help someone, right? Whatever you're doing, like I can help you. And my, what I, my skill set combined with your skill set is going to make you better. And so to me, it's always been like, prove to them that you can help them become the best player they could possibly be and help them become a better human being. Right. If I, if I'm doing that simultaneously, like we're winning, right. We are winning. Um, whether the results show it or not, like if we're, if we're doing that, I think we're winning. And, and so it, it kind of comes down to that. It's like, can I help you? And then once they realize you can help them, then it's kind of like busting down the door, right? They're like, I know you can help. I know you know what you're talking about. And now, now getting to that point is a little harder because I think you have to um, jump through some hoops and hurdles and, and things that maybe a man wouldn't have to do just because I don't know. They don't look twice. You don't think twice about it. Um, and I always say, you know, I, th I think it was tougher to get my foot in the door as a female, but I think, especially in my role as a mental performance coach, like I'm in a vulnerable state of, of emotions and relationships and trust and everything we already talked about. And I actually think I can use that to my advantage, right? Maybe, maybe a male is more likely to open up to a female than they would to another male, right? Yeah. Because they're supposed to have this ego and never, never be not confident and always be able to bounce back when reality is like they have feelings and emotions too. And so if I can provide a space that maybe they wouldn't get anywhere else and, and maybe they do, you know, of course you have strong relationships with coaches, but if I can be that safe place where they can come in, they can say whatever they want, be whoever they want to be and who they actually are, then like we're doing, we're doing good work. And so I, that's what I try to do. I just try to, show them that they can, they have somebody who is on their side rooting for them. They can trust me and I can make them better too. Like we're not in here just, you know, doing therapy and counseling because I don't do that. All right. It's coaching. Like yeah. I'm going to support you, but I'm also going to challenge you and, and, and make sure you're getting the most out of yourself. And yeah. so I kind of just try to try to tell myself that, but then you have the old, like there's a clubhouse, right? Right underneath my locker, my, um, my office. And so it's, and um, our cafeteria is in the clubhouse. And so like somebody has to go get lunch for us every day. And so, but, but it's changing. Right. And so they're making, they're trying to figure out ways around it and, and how to make it work and building yeah. renovations and all that. So it's still new, but um, it's, it's pretty cool just to see how open and, and honest and, and much they're trying to, to make it work um, truly. And, and luckily the Phillies are awesome. We've, I think we've got 10 plus females on staff right now, strength and conditioning, yeah. dietitians, mental skills, 
um, education, front office. Like it, it's really cool to see that it's growing and I don't, I don't think it's going to stop growing. So. We'll yeah. See. And, and, um, and I do think that, um, that people are getting a, a, a more profile, which is good. So it's, it's even, you know, things, things like this, but I know you in particular, you have this great kind of brand about your, your skill set as well, which I, I think also helps move that along. Cause there are a lot of people I'm sure that are, are looking up to you and, and what you do. Um, maybe the, the last piece is you talked about failure yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is there, is there a big time where you felt like, wow, this, this maybe isn't going to work out the way I, I had planned. And, you know, did, did you have that experience or has it always kind of been relatively, you know, stable and on this kind of upward kind of hill to get there? Yeah. As far as mental performance or just like life in general, uh, just in general. Yeah. So for sure. Um, so my, so I said I played softball in college. Um, fun fact, my freshman year, I actually went to the University of Tennessee Chattanooga to play basketball. Yeah. And I played basketball my whole freshman year. And it's funny because like, I hate defining that as a failure, but I, I, technically it was a failure. Like it, it wasn't like I didn't, um, I didn't get the playing time I wanted. I didn't have the relationships with the coaching staff that I wanted and needed. And, and it was just a really bad fit. Like, truly like a really bad fit. And I like, I was like rock bottom. I was like, what do we do? Right. Do we, do we transfer and play basketball somewhere else? Do we stay there and just go to school? Is the thought of even switching sports? Like, cause I played softball basketball my whole life was, was good at both of them. Um, what if I switched and played softball? And then it came down to like this decision of staying at the university I was at and, and switching sports. And so I ended up playing softball um, my sophomore, junior and senior year. And but like that year, that decision, that like heartache was awful because I thought like everything I had been working for, scholarship, playing time, everything was like taken away. And I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't, I don't know where it goes from here. And the funny thing about failure is most of the time during the failure, you can't see what's going to come out of it. And you, you don't understand. It's hard to wrap your head around why is this happening? Why can't I just be successful in whatever it is I'm trying to be successful at? And then you realize like, I don't know if I'd be in baseball if I didn't play softball. Not that you need to, but I think that was like a awesome thing on my resume and maybe gave me a foot in the door. And so it's like, it's, it's, I, I hate to call it a failure, but in my world, like to be honest and being self-aware, like I would definitely say that was a failure. And, but I think dealing with the adversity and the resiliency and the, stuff I had to deal with made me very, very strong and made me realize that if I can get through that, like there's not a whole lot I'm not going to be able to get through. Um, So I think that was, that was a pretty big defining moment in my life. And I didn't even know it was a defining moment until probably I graduated college. So like three or four years later. It's amazing how many people, if you ask that type of question for, regardless of what you know, industry they're in or anything else, there is usually something that is that kind of trigger. And uh, especially with um, what you do, it probably helps what you do, because there are so many people that, um, you know, maybe go into, uh, have thought, have had a plan how everything was going to work out, and maybe it doesn't work out that way, or they've always been the top player on their team every year up until that year, and suddenly they're not, like all of those things make it much more relatable for you, so... 
for sure. Sure. Uh, so the, the thing we ask every guest uh, is, is a, a couple, like a two to three kind of tips. And, um, you know, so we're going to kind of think about if, um, if, if someone wants to build that kind of mental toughness, resiliency kind of um, toolkit for themselves, do you have kind of two or three tips that they, um, they should do kind of, they could do right away or, or put in practice right away? Yeah. So the first thing which I alluded to, and I know it's repetitive, but it's, you have to know yourself, like know thyself and self-awareness and self-evaluation. They're kind of all together, right? Because to know yourself is to be able to evaluate whether you're doing something well or poorly is a huge mental skill. Um, and, and a huge foundation for everything else, right? Like you can't set good goals if you don't know yourself very well, right? You, You can't set accurate but yet demanding goals, right? You can't be resilient if you don't know what knocks you off your rocker. You can't be motivated if you don't know your why, right? So it's like all of these mental skills that people want to use, you have to know yourself first and know what specific mental skills do you actually need and want and that are going to work for you because not all mental skills are going to work for you, right? Different things work for different people. And so for me, number one, without a doubt, is to build awareness. and I think even with that, it, it's, it's remembering that your mental performance is just as important as your physical performance. Like if you don't know how often you should be doing it, ask yourself how often you should be working out. Four to five times a week, maybe yeah. every day, whatever your answer is, whatever your answer is, I would challenge you to match it with mental performance. Like do, and it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be as long time-wise, but make sure you're spending five minutes five times a week on your mental performance game to some capacity, whether it's awareness, self-evaluation, um, and, and see how that changes, right? Cause all of a sudden you start thinking about, okay, I have to do it. And then you start, it starts creating awareness throughout your day. And then you're like, am I doing what I was talking about? And all of a sudden you start to just become more aware of what it is you're actually doing and what you're saying to yourself. So, um, know thyself is the first one. That's the second one. Third one. I'm going to say, get into the present moment. I'm going to say, get into the present moment because your best work, your best performance, the most enjoyment, the most confidence, the most enthusiasm comes when you're in the present moment. And that's for anything. And and being in the present moment is a mental skill. And if you can master knowing yourself and being in the present moment, that's a solid, solid start for, for your mental performance game. Very cool. Very cool. Well, uh, lots of great things that, that people have learned. I really appreciate you uh, sharing this with us today. And it's of uh, uh, lots of uh, good actionable things, which is, uh, and, and I do think there are a lot of people who will look to you and, and see that as a, um, as a, an inspiration for them as well. So that is, is quite cool to, to have you on today. So um, thanks for joining us. Um, a couple of things, just if you haven't subscribed yet, make sure you do that. If whatever podcast platform you're on, subscribe to the podcast um, and make sure you let Hannah and I know kind of what you thought of this episode. Put your rating in there, put your review in. Um, that helps us get the message out there as well. Um, and uh, and just bumping off of what Hannah said as well is on uh, our website, if you go to www.bigideabigmoves.com, uh, there is a um, kind of a, a pl- goal planner a template on there that you could use when you go through some of this uh, um, kind of introspective thinking that, uh, that she's talking about. So, so definitely go on there and take a look at it. Um, otherwise, again, thanks very much, Hannah. Really appreciate you coming on today. Yeah, Jamie, thank you so much for having me. It was a great time.
All right. Okay, and we'll talk to everybody again on Big Idea, Big Moves. 